Good day, everyone. Jeff Cross here. You can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. And of course, you can search me on uh, pretty much any uh, social media site. But the one I would love for you to go find is on the Facebook page called TNG. That's T in the N symbol G for tenacity and grit. Um, that's part of my Facebook page. And that's where I try to put all my content from short videos. Um, I have a YouTube channel under Jeff Cross 22. Um, there's all kinds of ways to, to stay in touch with me. And starting uh, today, I'm actually to get my able to get my podcast on Apple Podcast. Um, the The name is different, though. It's not a walk with cross. It's just called, it's pretty simple, the Jeff Cross Podcast. So um, if you got any questions about how to do that, just email me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. All right, today's guest is, um, I'm going to say, this gentleman is full of tenacity and grit. Just when you hear this story, you will be truly amazed. But first things first, um, he is a professional and the uh, insurance professional. He, he handles catastrophe, property, and casualty field. He's a representative in that. His officiating experience, um, 10 years of high school officiating He's going to be entering his sixth season in collegiate officiating. Um, he just finished his first year Division One in the Ohio Valley Conference and the Atlantic Sun. He works uh, way too many Division Two conferences to mention, but just to say a few, the Southern Atlantic, the Gulf Coast, Mountain East, and a few others. Um, Division Three, another big handful from the Midwest Conference to the Northern Athletic Conference, um, and also some NAI, some junior college. Uh, conferences. This gentleman has also worked the NAI 2020 um, championships, also has worked the quarterfinals in the uh, junior college in 2020, and um, he had his uh, 2020 to the national tournament in Division Three semifinals. Very extensive background in officiating. Late, oh, wait, I forgot one thing, and just so happens... Ten days ago, he became a father for the very first time to a beautiful girl named Gwendolyn Grace. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Aaron Talbot. Aaron, you there, buddy? Yes, Jeff, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, man. Wow. So first things first, congratulations on on Gwendolyn. Uh, Is that like mind-blowing or what? Uh, it is. I thought that it would never happen. Um, you know, as as you get older in life and, you know, I just turned 37 in January. As you get older in life, you realize that, you know, not everything that you thought is going to happen is going to happen. And uh, um, it happened. And it's amazing. At, at first, it was kind of a shell shock. Um, but now, you know, waking up every day, seeing her, it's like, wow, I created that. Mm. And uh yeah, she's 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 beautiful, and uh, she got that from my wife. So, <laughs> amen to that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, just out of curiosity, if you don't mind sharing, you know, how long were you guys trying to have a baby? Well, we um, we had uh, we've been married for uh, three years. Actually, uh, June third, which is the day that she was born, um, mm. was our third year anniversary. And uh, my wife and I had talked about that. Um, the first two and a half years, we were going to just settle down in life, just figure out what was going on. Um, we travel a lot. Um, I travel for work. Um, 
we live in a suburb of Indianapolis and she works in Louisville, which is about a 90 minute commute. Mm. Um, so life was just, um, was just very busy for us. And once we kind of, uh, figured out what was going on a day-to-day basis, um, my wife had approached me and said, now is probably the time. Um, and if, you know, this doesn't work as we're getting older, um, we may look into adoption. So we thought Mm. that we'd give it, uh, we'd give it a shot to see if we could create an amazing, um, you know, amazing human that would come into this universe and, uh, and make this world a, a little bit better. That's so awesome. I'm so happy for you, man. And I can't Thank wait you. to meet her. I've seen many, seen many pictures, but, uh, uh, if anybody can lead her astray, it'll be me. So um, <laughs> put, put me down for one of those. So, all right, so let's get into it a little bit here. So, Give us a little bit of background on how you got into officiating. You know, where where did it all start, man? Yeah, so um, about 10 years ago, um, I was not happy with my job. I was working um, corporate America, was not happy uh, with what I was making. I was happy with my job, but how, not my salary. And I was looking for something where I could make um, some more money. Um, ran, started looking online, Googled. Um, part-time or side gigs and uh, um, officiating came up mm-hmm. uh, it was in February that was actually when I started looking and realized that um, you know we were coming to in the baseball season and I thought okay I uh, I'll, I'll try to umpire so I um, started reading about it and realized that I knew nothing about baseball <laughs> um, so I went back I reverted back to what I knew and I said well I know or I thought I knew basketball. Mm -hmm. So I um, started chatting or I found some local associations, started chatting to some people through the summer and um, realized that maybe basketball was what I was looking for. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do an outside sport because I didn't want to be out in the elements and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that kept me active and I could make the most, uh, the most money. And of course, when I first started, I started for the money, which, you know, we're looking at this 10 years later and I don't do it for the money anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your first game was like what, an intramural game or like a, some what, YMCA game? Well, Jeff, you're not going to believe this or maybe you will. But the first time on the court, I worked um, three third grade basketball games in the morning, went and worked a freshman game at noon and turned mm-hmm. around and did a JV game that night. My first, my first day ever on the court, not knowing anything of what I was doing. Came home numb, I'm sure, right? Like, I can't feel my feet, you know, your brain's mushed. <laughs> That's just a, a sure sign that you have tenacity and grit right there. I'll tell you what, the people who hired me for those, um, I'm very grateful, but I believe that they may have been off their rocker to pick some or to choose somebody who had never worked a game before. Great. Well, I'll uh, I'll refer back to uh, the statement I learned many, many years ago when it comes to officiating. And it really it was it was brought into play for a baseball umpire because I was a baseball umpire at the time. And they would have two questions for you. The one first question was, are you open? And the second question is, are you any good? If you answer yes to the first question, they really don't care what the answer <laughs> is to the second question. That's so, true. Uh, but so obviously that's been proven. So, all right. So, um, so you know, you've started your 10 years. What got you into collegiate officiating? Yeah. So um, 
I just didn't see any movement on the high school side. As a lot of people know that there's a lot of stagnant and there's a lot of uh, lack of movement when you look on the high school officiating, whether it's um, basketball or any other sport. Um, you know, the newer officials or the younger officials, you get stuck somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, coaches don't coaches don't know who you are because they've you know they've never seen you before. Um, you know. Uh, conferences, tournaments, things like that. They're not interested or not, not want, they, they're not going to use you because they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just looking for something to prove myself. Um, I had, I'd been working 40, 50, 60 um, varsity level games. Um, and I was looking to prove myself, to challenge myself to get better and for people to notice me um, so that I had the opportunities to work these bigger uh, tournaments and uh, bigger games on the high school side. Mm-hmm. So, and then you just, what, you went to a college camp or what happened? So I, uh, I'll tell you that Google is your, is, is a huge, is a huge fan of me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I Googled, um, I Googled college camps and the first one came, that came up was, um, was a junior college uh, camp. It was actually on the men's side. Um, it was the um, it was the GRAC conference. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at that time, um, um, Dave Warfel was the coordinator there, and um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to this camp. I'm going to learn something, um, and I specifically went not to make it on his staff, but to learn something that made me better on my high school the -hmm. year before me going to camp um several of our state tournament officials were division one division two and division three officials Mm -hmm. and i thought if i want to be there i've got to i've got to figure out what they have or what they've learned to get them there Mm -hmm. that's a very uh impressive that you would actually go through those kind of steps to, you know, try and, you know, what I call self-educate. That's basically what we're doing, right? When we're going to camps or something, we're just, we're, as you said, searching Google, we're trying to find education that'll help our cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you go to your first college camp, your first college men's camp. Do you felt like you learned something? Um, I did. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. Uh, it was, you know, we talk about speed of the game. We talk about um, pressure, intensity. Um, you know, when you, while I went there not to get picked up by that, there's a little bit of a feeling like, you know, you're competing, you're competing with all these other officials. And as you sit around the room and you start talking to people and you hear about their backgrounds and experience, you think, Hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the end of the two days, I really was competing to try, I had changed my whole mindset where I was competing to, to get a roster spot. Um, it was no longer about what I could do. I saw, I saw this new tunnel or this new um, avenue that I could pursue. Um, so unfortunately, uh, you know, I didn't get picked up, which is okay. Um, but it caused me or it, it, it made me want to work harder. Um, went back the next year to the next season, excuse me, worked my high school um, tournament got into the mm-hmm. first round of the tournament uh, started talking to some people again people who worked in the college side and they ha- they talked to me about you know what avenues 
you know, I said, I want to go work college. And they said, well, you got to work men's or women's, you know, you have to choose. And I didn't really know which one, you know, all you really, when you start fishing, you just think of the men's side um, mm-hmm. because that's what, that's what's seen on TV. When you look, when you turn on CBS or um, ESPN on a, on a Saturday, all you see is, you know, men's college basketball. So your mind automatically gets focused to there. Um, I had a um, great mentor and a friend um, tell me that he was interested in working the women's side, college basketball. He said, look, it's similar mechanics to, um, to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to find that you're going to find some amazing people that can be mentors to you. The people that really, truly care about you, whether it's on the court or off the court. And um, with my job, I deal with a lot of people's personalities and emotions because I am there um, in their time of need. And I felt, I felt that would be a good, uh, it, it would be good for me to go to the women's side because I could find some friendships and I, you know, and build upon those. Hmm. So which, what was the first women's camp you went to? Uh, that camp would have been the camp would be all collegiate camp. Um, okay. Up in Illinois, that would be the one that uh, you, Randy Fox, and uh, Jen Washoe uh, put together. So that was the first camp you went to? That was the first women's camp that I went to, yeah. Well, let's just take a minute here, Aaron, and tell the listeners how great a camp that is. Well, um, <laughs> it's an amazing camp. It really is an amazing camp. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is unique, and it's different. Um, while you're there to work and learn, um, you're there to have fun, and I believe that a lot. I believe that that camp uh, provides all those aspects, um, and just build relationships. Um, talk a lot about relationship building because really, mm-hmm. when and you've said this, and Randy has said this, is at the end of the day when you're uh, when you can no longer run up and down the court, all you have left are the friendships that you built. And mm-hmm. that camp. Um, you know, I, I live in, I live in, you know, in Indianapolis It's a two, two and a half hour drive away from Chicago. And I love going up to Chicago and working with the officials up there and going to camp up there. And it's well worth any Tuesday night drive, um, <laughs> you know, getting home at one or two in the morning. It's worth any of those drives. Um, Cause you lose the hour too, right? I do lose the hour. That's right. <laughs> um, but that camp, that camp is just amazing. And I'll always be loyal to it because obviously, you know, um, my first camp and the assigners and coordinators up there were amazing, but um, there's a lot of things I learned um, that have kind of set my mind right to, uh, to help me excel in this, um, in this business. Well, that's that's good news. It's good news to hear that I can uh, continue to attach my name to that camp because it sounds like it's still doing well. So, yeah, um, yeah no, that that camp is is uh, uh, holds very close to my heart. You know, I'm pretty uh, invested into that camp, so I appreciate those kind of words. So, all right, so here we are at camp. Take me back to so not last summer, the sum. Oh no, I guess it was was it last summer, Aaron. Um, are you talking about going crazy and going all out? Yeah, yeah, going all out. Was that last summer? Yeah, it would have been last summer. It would have been the, um, yeah, it would have been uh, 2019, the summer. So it would have been, yeah, 2019. Yeah, because we're, yeah, because this would because this summer's got to been bypassed. Really. Yeah. The summer of 2019. Let's set the table for everybody. How many camps did you go to? 
Um, I went to 13 camps. 13 NCAA collegiate women's camps, correct? Correct. And out of those 13, did you, can you have a, do you know the approximate time frame of when you started and when you finished? Um, so my first camp would have been April 16th. Okay. Um, and I had a camp, I had one camp in April, one camp in May, and then the rest of the camps were in June and July. I went um, from June 3rd until June 13th um, in a row working at camps in three different states. Mm, that's so amazing. And then you finished up in sometime in July, late late July, correct? I did. In fact, uh, the all collegiate camp in Chicago was the last camp that I did, which would have been uh, somewhere around like July 25th or 26th, something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah. the end of a, of a long summer for you. Yes. So now I, I talk tenacity and grit all the time. And this is obviously if someone is, you know, deciding to commit to 13 collegiate camps, they clearly have to have some tenacity and grit somewhere in their blood that is, uh, that is outcoming during this summer. So tell me some reasons why you decided to do 13 camps and why, you know, just walk me through those situations. Walk me through that mindset as you, as you went in and as you decided those, those camps. Well, I'm extremely competitive and um, I was seeing movement. There were other, some other friends that I work with that I saw some movement with them um, working division three conference games, working division three championship games, working uh, in AI tournament and championship games. And I really uh, tried to find um what makes me stand out or what's what what separates me from others um i believe i remember hearing that um i know randy fox had said that um i had heard uh, missy brooks say that um some of the other people uh, diane plass i had heard them um in the past uh, mention that what what makes you stand out um what separates you from everyone because everyone can officiate if you work division three college basketball that means that you can officiate basketball. What moves you from division three to two and up is what makes you different. What separates you from the other people. And um, I didn't know what it was. I thought mm -hmm. I was just an average official. I, while in my head, I thought I was a good official. I didn't know where I stood in line. Uh, we talk about buckets, you know, your games, you're based upon what bucket you are, how many games you get. I really didn't know what bucket I was in. Was I in the upper tier where I was getting a lot of games from coordinators? Was I in the middle or was I in the bottom where I'm just a fill in? Um, so I felt that I needed to do something to move myself up um, in, in my position. So you're, you're, did you, what did you come up with? You know, you, you did it here. You are at the end of that summer in 2019 in July and you've finished 13 camps and you wanted to figure out, you know, how can you separate yourself? You know, what, what is it that I'm missing? What'd you come up with? Well, so when I started, when I started this idea, I was, it was in, it was in late January or early February of 2019. And I started talking, uh, there's two or three of my friends here in the Indianapolis area that we get together and we start talking about what camps we're going to go to for the, for the next year or for the mm -hmm. summer. 
and I started naming off um, um, camps I wanted to go to. And people started saying that I was crazy or nobody does that. And I thought, <laughs> why doesn't anyone do that? Why doesn't anyone go to all these camps? Because every camp you can learn something from. And if you don't learn something from camp, you missed out. And I thought, what is a better way than me to go to as many camps as I can to learn, which made me stand out. I am the freak that went to 13 camps in a summer because nobody does that. That's learned that you're a freak. (laughs) (laughs) That I am a freak, yeah. You're crazy. Well, I, I say the phrase often. And I'll say it again. I always say, if people aren't calling you crazy, your dreams aren't big enough. So I'm on board with what you're doing. I think it's okay. Um, do you have any regrets, you know, with doing 13 camps like that? Um, I do not. Not at all. Um, you know, it was uh, – the commitment was huge. Um, it took not only time away from my family, but it took time away from my job. And obviously, you know, it's not free to do this. So there was Mm -hmm. a investment, monetarily investment that was um, that was there as well. Um, I don't have any regrets. And especially, you know, while it's very hard every year to do 13 and I'm finding myself even with with this COVID thing happening, I found myself being very difficult to find time for 13 more camps this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I I I just. um, I don't have any regrets for it. I uh, I met amazing people. I went to parts of the country and worked with people that I would have never worked with, um, that I probably would never never have seen. So, what what do you tell the listeners out there who they're sitting in their car listening to this podcast and they're contemplating thirteen camps for the for the summer of twenty one? We'll say, what do you tell them? I say if you have the time, the energy, and the money, do it. What do you tell them to prepare for that? Because um, correct me if I'm wrong. Going to two camps in the summertime and then going to 13, there's just a different level of preparedness. Oh, abs- absolutely. Um, you know, the good thing was is I started in April. So I still had well, – I had about six weeks from the time I finished my season to my first camp. So I had that downtime. Everybody needs downtime. But the biggest thing was that I had a camp in April, May, June. I hit really hard, and then I finished up in July. So I just made it – I felt like it was a season number two for me, and mm-hmm. I didn't allow myself to have much of a gap in between uh, my my camps. So I used it as season number two. I just – in my mind, it was season number two. Um, I also, um, I also made a commitment. You know, sometimes a lot of times commitment comes with money. Uh, fear also comes with money. So I had invested a lot of money. So I, in myself, had put fear in myself that if I did not work as hard as I could, or worked as hard as people expected me to at each one of these camps, that I was fearful that I was wasting my money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I often talk about this, this phrase also, where you want to be really good at something, have your family or, you know, the people that are depending on you be six, they're, they're depending on you to be successful. You'll find a way to be successful, you know, and I, and I relate it to whatever. So if, if the only way the lights are going to stay on, whether it's just you or you and your family is if you have a successful basketball season, 
I feel like there's a real good chance you will put every ounce of effort you have to being a good basketball referee, mm-hmm. whether that's insurance, officiating, whatever that is. If there if there is a dependence on that money, that income that you're going to be receiving, you will find a way to be good at it. If that money just means um, – uh, whatever, I get to re-blacktop the driveway, it's probably not going to be as intense as if, hey, if I don't do this, the lights will be shut off. Right. I think there's a different amount of commitment you make to anything you do in life, not just officiating. Um, so you did them. You don't regret. No regrets. You would tell anyone out there, you know, if, if you have the time, the money, the resources, go for it. Everyone wants to know, myself included, how did it fare out for anybody? Uh, absolutely great. Um, so the season before um, I had worked, um, I was in seven conferences. So I went from seven conferences to 16 conferences. Um, so I increased my conferences hmm. by nine. Um, I was working Division three as my largest or my highest conference. I uh, went from Division Three to Division One. Um, I did not work any Division Two conferences prior to last season, mm. and I worked. Uh, I think I worked four. So um, it was it was worth it. It paid off. The hard the hard work paid off. Walk us through that very first Division One game you had. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, it's funny because I worked my very first Division One game. I worked the same place that I end up working my um, my second Division Two, or excuse me, my second Division One game, and it is like night and day. Uh, it's funny because I, when I was talking to my partners in my second game, I told them I don't remember that there was a band in the stands. <laughs> Um, I don't remember that. Um, you know, the other thing is I didn't remember the national anthem. Mm. Um, I didn't remember counting how many players were on my side of the court. Those are things <laughs> I was just in shock. Um, but you know, I had an opportunity to work with uh, one of my best friends. Um, I don't know if I can give him a shout out. Sure, Chad, go ahead. Chad Beck. Sure, um, um, him and I have been, you know, men's league all the way, you know, all the way up for the last 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I got to work with him. So that calmed my nerves. You know, we drove out. It's a, it's about a three hour drive out to SIUE. Um, you know, we drove together uh, we kind of just talked about, you know, we tried to keep it calm and cool. We knew that our third um, was going to be amazing. We'd worked with our third um, through JUCO um, NAIA and division three. So we knew that we were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but things change. You know, you put, you put your pants on, you do your warm-ups, you put your shirt on, and suddenly, you know, 40 minutes before the game, they walk in with this box. And you're like, okay, what do I do with this box? <laughs> <laughs> you know, precision timing. Because there's, there's not a lot of conferences below Division One that use precision timing. And I had never used it before. Um, I had gone online and read the, uh, read the information on Arbiter, like they, mm-hmm. you know, recommended that we did, but I didn't know what I was doing. 
And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to put this on and hopefully it works, you know? Um, so, you know, and then they come talk, you know, and of course it's one of the first games of the season. So then the table crew comes in and they start talking to you about rules and, and so on. And you're like, you're going to ask me about the rules. I don't even know if I know the rules, you yeah. know? So I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep from throwing up on my shoes right now. That's absolutely. really all I can do. Absolutely. Um, but it, it was incredible. You know, you walk out on the court and, you know, you just, it feels different. It really does feel different. Um, and, you know, you have to step up your game. You have to know that this is, that this is it. This is what you work so hard to, to where you, where you work so hard to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to step up and commit to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, there were times I don't even remember, um, I don't even remember the band. Don't remember national anthem. Don't remember counting. Um, you know, I had I had I had a play that um, I got a response from um, from the coordinator about that said good call. I don't even remember the call. I had to watch uh. it. I had to watch it four or five times um, <laughs> to realize that. Oh yeah, but, I uh, was on this game. I'm I was. That's right. That was me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was it was just amazing. And you know. It, it, there isn't anything different that division one officials do that, that, that we don't do at the lower level. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, any of us do, because mm-hmm. you know, the, the game might be a little more, it might be bigger to some people. It's still a game and it's the most important game to the, to the kids on the court. Mm-hmm. And you just have to remember no matter what level it's important to them. Yeah, that is, that's very well said. Very well said. I think it's a great story too, Aaron. You know, just you know, I'm I'm sitting over here just smiling. You know, I kind of wish I was next to you so I could see, so you could see how big my smile is and how happy I am for you. You know, it's 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 interesting. You walk into a Division One arena, wherever that might be, whether it's in you know a small league or a big league. You know, it's just it's different. The lights are brighter. The lines are crisper. You know, everything is just, you know, as a, our friend uh, Chad Ozzy says, you know, now you get high definition replay, not just <laughs> this, you know, VCR granulated stuff. Everything is just different. So um, I'm really, really happy for you. Uh, you know, so if you don't mind, can you just share? I like to ask my guests a couple things. Yeah. One is um, what, you know, what book? would you recommend or are you are you like you are you heard a lot of good things about you know what's what's the book you want these readers out there that are listening go hey i like to read books too what would you recommend um so one of my favorite i i don't read a lot of um a lot of books and i probably should but one of my favorite books is how to win friends and influence people mm-hmm. verbal judo that's right um oh no no no, no. how to win friends and influence people okay, yeah 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 yep. uh, Great. That's with uh, Carnegie, right? Dale yes, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Great, great, great book. Um, it's good for a lot of things. I don't know. You can always you can always incorporate things you learn in that book with officiating, but mm-hmm. I find that it's just um, it's just an overall good book for you to learn or to make yourself improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of my that's one of my favorite books. Um, I think. I think that's a great choice. I think, you know, and it's interesting, you know, we talk about books that will help us in officiating or they'll help us in our day-to-day business, right? Well, I always, you know, I like to say, listen, if, if you want to be a good official, you need to have a good, you need to be good at what you're doing in your day job. And I think it goes also in the reverse. 
you want to be good at your day job, you got to want to be a good referee. You know, all those things intertwine. So as far as I'm concerned, all business owners that are listening out there, if you could find a way to hire, put a referee somewhere on your staff, I think they are doing the right thing because they just, they just think of things more judicially. So oh, yeah. um, the last thing I want to ask you is your, your legacy. You know, w- what do you want it to be, buddy? You know, um, my legacy is kind of, has kind of changed a little bit. And I think it's just this past, uh, this past season um, that my mindset has changed. So, you know, my legacy was always is that I wanted to be known or I want to be known as the official that works the big game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us, that's what we want. But um, I was thrown in a couple um, uh, spots that kind of made me a little nervous this year. You know, I started working with um, accountability group where I was t- where there was uh, four um, peer officials at different levels where we just talked about um, officiating and um, in, and I was kind of thrown in into being the person that people asked or being a mentor to some other officials in that accountability group because of what level officiating that I worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So to me, I I want my legacy would be um, the peer-to-peer mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to work really hard this year of being a mentor to people or ne- not necessarily being a mentor, but being open for other people to bounce ideas. I may not have the answer, um, mm-hmm. but I think I have a great group of individuals that I am around that if I don't know the answer, I can get the answer from them. I think that's a great mindset. You know, a couple of things I would like to add to that. First of all, I think that's a great legacy to try and aim towards. And, you know, the, I, want, I want everyone to realize legacy is not built in 365 days. It's built in 80, 90 years of actual doing day in and day out, the, the boring stuff. And that's what will make you into, a, you know, build your legacy, whatever that might be. Um the other thing I want to add there also is, you know, you talked about, you know, mentorship or whatever. Sometimes I believe anyway, it's just about being available, you know, a mentor or a mentee relationship, whatever that is. It's not necessarily, you know, well, you know, just my mentor, Aaron's my mentor. Well, Jaren's, Aaron's available to me. Yeah. So if he's available to me, it makes it a lot easier for me to bounce things off of. So just be available and that mentor thing will take off on its own. So that's just my own two cents on that. Yeah. And you know, Jeff, um, you know, I think mentor, I think, I think mentor, the word mentor people uh, assume that you should be looking at someone who's upper level than you, but there's a lot of people out there that you can use and utilize that don't necessarily have to be an upper level or up the chain higher, you know, working with people, you know, that are high school officials. There are a lot of high school officials out there that have a lot of knowledge Mm. that you can learn something from, you know, even if you don't have access to a Jeff cross (laughs) on a Friday evening Mm. after you worked your high school game or whatever, or even a college game, there's people out there that you can throw you can clip your film and you can send it i can't tell you how many times that i send a college film clip to some of my high school officiating friends that only do high school and i get great feedback from them 
Um, or same thing is, you know, I often will have a three, four, five hour drive home or to my next location and having somebody that I can call and just talk to. Um, that's that that's huge. And it doesn't matter what level they are because they have they're doing the same thing you are and they can understand. I think also with mentors, you know, we'll, we'll touch on this just a little bit is, you know, some people look at a mentor as that's the person who's going to get them to where they want to be. Right. You know, so, okay, whatever. Aaron's my mentor. So Aaron's going to take me exactly where I want to be. Well, I got news for you. The only person that can take someone where they want to be is that person themselves. Right. If you're counting on someone to just keep on pulling you in the direction that you want to go, you're, you're sadly mistaken. You need to really take ownership of your own advancement. And if it means speaking to a mentor, Aaron on a Monday night and speaking to another mentor, you know, Chad on a Wednesday night, then you need to do that and take that advice however you can to advance yourself, not wait for, I got to wait for my mentor to call so I can decide what my next step is. No, I mean, you can search out multiple people and take ownership of your decisions. So that was my last two cents on that. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Love it. Um, last thing, what's your, uh, What's one thing on your list that is a non-negotiable list? One thing. Do you have anything on your, on your list of daily things that is non-negotiable for you? You must do every day, Monday through Monday, um, that is better in yourself. Not just, you know, I got to make sure I kiss my wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, talk basketball. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's, there's always downtime. Right now is, is downtime for everybody. You know, we don't have options, um, but... I surround myself with officials all the time year round. I've already talked today twice to about basketball, you know, just plays and things like that. You know, while you can turn yourself down or dial it back a little bit, you still want to be able to have that in your mind. Um, but yeah, I'd say one of my non-negotiables is that I have to talk about basketball, have That's... to talk to somebody to just to keep getting better um, and help other people too. I think that's awesome, you know, because that, I think that that holds true, you know, what you said about, you know, even if it's just for a couple of people or if you, we're in the downtime, that holds true with anything, right? Physical fitness. Well, you can, if you work out for an hour on Monday, if you're non-negotiable is to work out every day, it doesn't mean you have to work out an hour for every day. You just need to work out. So if it's an hour on Monday, but you're non-negotiable that I'm going to work out every day, okay, then I'm going to go at least do 15 minutes. Non-negotiable, make sure you get it done. I love it. That's a great list, buddy. Great list. So, hey, listen, it's we're, we're at the wrapping up here. Could you share um, a way for people to contact you if they want any questions for you? Absolutely. Um, best way to contact me is my email, which is going to be my name. It's uh, Talbot A Direct. That's T A L B like boy O T A D I R E C T at gmail.com. Perfect. And then obviously you can email me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. Um, again, uh, if you, if there was something in this podcast, you know, I mean, I really dig that. I think that's good. I think so-and-so needs to hear this. Just hit the share button, everybody. That's all you got to do. Um, go on my Facebook, uh, city and grit page. That's where I put all my content from podcast to short one minute, two minute YouTube videos. You can follow me on YouTube, Jeff cross 22. There's plenty of ways that we are making ourselves available to help in any way. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your day. 
And I know it had to be tough to separate yourself from that little 10 day old girl, but um, you can go, now you can go give her a kiss and tell her you're back. Okay. Sounds good. I, hey, I appreciate everything that you do for me, everything that you do for other officials and uh, thing, I'm honored to be able to speak with you today. Uh, listen, I appreciate it, brother. And it's, it's been my pleasure to be with you. And that's uh, next time we talk, we're going to check over that, uh, that little resume you gave me and see if we can build on that. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds perfect. I appreciate it. All, right. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Later. Bye.